Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, welcome to Party Friday. Uh, Chuck Bonneville, Julie Hayden, the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show, True Straight Up. That's right. The show brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture, and Chinese Medicine. Um, We're going to touch base with the Democrats who are destroying our taxpayer rights at the legislature right now. We'll bring you up to date on how that is all going. Uh, But wanted to start off with um, David Giordano. He is a regional field director with the John Burt Society, here to talk about the Convention of States. Um, Well, a few weeks ago, we had had somebody on who was in favor of it. Um, Dave has, I think, a different perspective. So first off, Dave, thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Good to be here. Yeah. I, I must say, I, I didn't have a strong opinion about uh, the convention of states one way or the other, um, although I thought the uh, proponent of it uh, was really pretty persuasive. Uh, but of course, I haven't heard the other side. Um, and so we're, we're, you say you convert people to back to the other side. So, well, uh, well I'll be your test case. <laughs> Why don't you kind of start us off and give your explanation of, of what it is, what we're talking about in the first place? Uh, well, let me start by saying a lot of people think this is a new idea. And Convention of States uh, project was started in about 2014. And it's not a new idea. Um, I joined the John Birch Society in 1994 when I realized that the right, left, Democrat, Republic uh, whole thing was not making sense. And when I read the John Birch Society material, it became obvious to me. Um, but about then, in uh, 1995, instead of Convention of the States, it was called the Conference of the States. Um, and so, in fact, the Wall Street Journal had an article in uh, April of 1995 that said, the far right movement is trying to torpedo plans for a conference returning powers to the states. And when I present, I say I never realized that the states lost that power. I was out of <laughs> that day, you know, did they repeal the 10th Amendment, you know. Um, but the, the difference between the John Birch Society and a lot of uh, very good patriot organizations and the reason why I'm with the John Birch Society is we do, as our founder said, there is a conspiracy. This is not going on by accident, and their goal is a one-world government. And the yeah. thing that's preventing them from sucking the United States into that uh, one-world government is the U.S. Constitution. They need to either revise it so it is ineffective or get rid of it. And there's only one way to do that, and that is an Article Five convention. So that is their goal. And people think that the... Uh, the other side, they're, you know, they're evil looking up. They, they're among us. They control the media. They control health care. They control the government. Uh, they're in the Republican Party. They're in the Democrat Party. And um, I think there's a, a lot of well-meaning people in this uh, group. Um, but their goal is to change the uh, Constitution. 
Well, to get to the well-meaning people, because I, I do know some people who are well-meaning, right? And I know they would agree with you about the, you know, the, the globalists and things like that. Is it sort of what you're saying is, though, that the, the globalists are sort of hiding among them and are, are manipulating well-meaning people um, who would probably agree with Seth on a lot of ideas to go ahead and pass this through so they can then implement essentially their, their evil agenda? Yeah, so you're feeding off of people's frustrations. Everybody's frustrated right now, obviously. The government's uh, totally out of control spending. In fact, if you read the Convention of the State's website, it says sign his petition, you know, stop the out of control spending. Who would disagree with that? And the term limits, you know, we have uh, lifetime uh, politicians. We need to get rid of that. These are all appealing things. These I call the cheese in this trap because they just want the convention. They want the Article 5. It doesn't matter if it's a balanced budget amendment or a term limits or whatever. They want the convention. Uh, but the the issues that they're putting out in front, even those issues fall to pieces. For example, a balanced budget amendment, if we followed the Constitution, it would be uh, balanced. Let me start by saying the Constitution is not broken. It doesn't need to be fixed. Uh, it is ignored and needs to be obeyed. The argument really is over if you say, we're going to pass these amendments because they're ignoring those amendments. So they're going to pay attention to these. So I like to say, uh, so what are we going to call these new amendments? Do we really mean it this time amendments? Yeah. <laughs> like Nancy Pelosi said, uh, you know, we have to we have to pass the, the, the bill to find out what's in the bill. Uh, that's actually that's a statement I usually use when people say uh, it can't be a runaway convention. How can you be sure it's not a runaway convention? If we've never had an Article Five convention under this Constitution, and I guess the only way to find out is to do it, the risks are too high. But I started to say about the balanced budget amendment, um, you know, you have a, ba- a budget and then it's not balanced. So you raise taxes and now it's balanced. Yeah. See how well that worked? <laughs> you okay? Are you good with that? Um, so that really doesn't address what's unconstitutional, such as foreign aid. There is nothing in the Constitution where the government can take your money and give it to any country. But a balanced budget amendment would now make that constitutional. The other thing in a balanced budget amendment, there is a out clause that it's not valid in times of emergency. Well, I don't even know. We must have 43 states of emergency right now. We have the global warming crisis. We have the COVID crisis, Ukraine, now Gaza. So even if it was passed, even if it didn't work, which it won't, that's not what they want. They want the convention. That's all. So they dangle. Why do the globalists need a convention? I mean, my God, they ignore the con. Ever (laughs) since Woodrow Wilson, they've said the Constitution is bullshit um, and we need to get rid of it. We don't need to get rid of it. We just ignore it. And they have. Well, I don't think. Well, let me finish this part. I don't think if, if you took the founding fathers. Uh, t- until 2023 and said, is, was this what you what you had in mind? <laughs> They'd be like, no. And, no. <laughs> so why do the lefties even need uh, a convention to get rid of the Constitution? They've already done it. Well, it, it, as much as they've ignored it and misinterpreted it, and uh, it's, it's pretty bad right now, the founders were brilliant, and there's so many different layers. There's the federal layer, the state layer, the county level, the local level. And I like to describe it as a spider web. Did you ever walk into a spider web and you, you just can't get it off your hands? And they, they, you know, they win here and they ignore this, but then this court rules against them. And it's just they need to get rid of it because what the goal is, 
is the former world government. Now, to form a world government, you can't get all the countries of the world to join. So to form the world government, you need seven or eight regional governments. They formed the European Union through free trade agreements. They tricked them. They didn't use bombs, planes, tanks or anything. Through 50 years, they tricked them through free trade agreements. Uh, they formed the African Union in 2002. Uh, George W. was working on the uh, North American Union and failed. And now, if you Google right now on your phone, the top thing will come up on the White House website is the Declaration of North America. So that's why they're not securing the borders. If you have a North American Union, an African Union, a European Union, a Middle Eastern Union, a even the Asian Union, and the unions join uh, the world government, which is the United Nations, which is a whole nother subject. Uh, the, United, <laughs> the United Nations is not a good idea going bad. The United Nations was designed to become the world government communist, but that's another story. So they need that that convention. But let's get back to the cheese in the trap. Like uh, another one is term limits. And uh, that's very appealing to people. And it's appealing because of their frustration. But the Convention of States doesn't tell you that term limits were in the Articles of Confederation. You know, think about it. The founding fathers debated everything in that, every single word in that Constitution. Do you really think they just, oh, we didn't even think of term limits. They did. <laughs> They had them in the Articles of Confederation, and they actually removed them. And let me give you an example why. Suppose I'm a congressman, and uh, I, I uh, get voted out, and I have something called a lame duck session. Everybody knows a lame duck session is not good because now that's when they do whatever they want. Yeah. Why? Because they can't get elected. Well, suppose we extend that lame duck session just two years would that be a good thing obviously not suppose i'm a senator i have two terms and my first term you call me and i listen to you what are your concerns uh why don't you come in my office uh the second term you call me talk to the answer machine yeah why am i talking to you you can't vote me in so when you have term limits you're actually extending that lame duck session and these uh, politicians are totally unaccountable for years and years. Well, it's a practical matter. We do have term limits on the president. Um, secondly, we have term limits. I love how well that worked. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, you know. I didn't want to see the third term of Barack Obama particularly. <laughs> no. <But>, we are. <laughs> yeah, we got it anyway. Um, but we also have term limits here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it's made little or no difference. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's... Well, that's- the founders gave us something. They, they did give us something when they took term limits away. Not to mention when people say, uh, well, we got to get Nancy Pelosi out of office. If you remove Nancy Pelosi through term limits, who voted her in? The yeah. election. Yeah, you got now, the same people. Take her out and put someone else up for election. The same people that voted for Nancy Pelosi are voting. You're going to get Nancy Pelosi 2.0. That's where the John Birch Society comes in. We go in and we educate the electorate. You have to change the voter's attitude. And that's what John Birch Society is about. One but, of the thing, oh, I was going to say, one of the things that the, the gentleman we had on who was arguing in favor of the Convention of States said that 
the people who are opposed to it say that everything can go off the rails. And he outlined a number of things um, that that basically said, no, it's very narrow um, and they, they can't go off the rails. How would you respond? And I don't remember, frankly, all of them specifically. Well, my, my, my response to that was that the 1789 calling of the Estates General in France, which was to improve taxes on the more wealthy in order to pay for their enormous debt, and that went a little off the rails. Uh, <laughs> within three years, the king was executed and the Jacobeans had taken over. So uh, I'm not sure it couldn't go off the rail. I'm not sure. I don't, um, I'm not so sure I'd, I care if it goes off the rails. <laughs> well, well but I mean, he was saying that there are protections to prevent well, what you're I, saying. I, I don't think there are. I mean, I, I think. Yeah, well, that's your rails. response to that. Well, I have many responses to that. And I just said uh, the other night in Allentown when there were people uh, in the back of the room from at the end, Convention of the States, uh, just brought that up. And I said, well, they can't go off the rails because there are rules, right? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, no one breaks the rules. I mean, I mean, no one broke the rules with the elections and, and election fraud, right? Because there are rules. Uh, <laughs> it could never happen. Um, but if you go back, to 1787, 13 states uh, were supposed to send delegates, 12 of them did, and one of them, uh, Rhode Island, did not send a delegate and said, you can't do a thing without us. You need 100% according to the rules. <laughs> so once those doors close, that is a sovereign uh, body, and those individuals can do whatever they want, and they did. And they changed the rules to uh, nine to three quarters. And they uh, passed our current constitution. And, you know, we're lucky, very lucky, the individuals who are there who gave us this new constitution. Um, but I don't think we're in a position to do that right now. Let me ask you this when you talk about, you know, because I, I have no problem believing that, you know, there is this this global network of people who want to take over the world basically but do you have so when you say that they're the ones who are behind this what's what's the evidence of that i mean do you have you know can you trace dark money back um or or you know do you have names and things like that or what do you what makes you say that well one of the ones that the john birch society uses i don't have in front of me it's in my car because i use it all the time david rockefeller's book memoirs and he basically claims that I've been accused of conspiring uh, with the communists. Uh, we're part of a secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world uh, to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. And if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I am proud of it. And that is on page 405. And they are telling, they are laughing at you. And even further, uh, Professor Carol Quigley, uh, who was uh, Bill Clinton's mentor, um, he studied the secret society, he said there does exist and there has existed for generations an international Anglophile network, uh, which operates to some extent in the way that the radical right believes that the communists uh, act And in fact, the network has no aversion to cooperating with the communists or any other groups and frequently does so. And he said, I know of its uh, operations of this network because I have studied it for 20 years and was permitted for two years in the early 1960s to examine its secret papers and records. So there, and I it, we could do a whole hour on that. 
is your indication that you know the answer is you go into your car and educating the unwashed masses um uh one small meeting at a time um do you think that's actually going to work <laughs> well it has up till now because they originally uh tried they were you need 34 states um but obviously we would like even more uh, but the big stations won't put us on, um, yeah. you know, so uh, they, they had 32 in 1983. They only needed 34, but it was the work of the John Birch Society members and uh, some other organization like Phil Shapley's Eagle Forum that pulled back um, those uh, calls for an article. No, I'm, I'm talking about more reforming uh, our present government. Uh, our present monstrosity. Yeah, what, do we, what do we do? Yeah, what our do we do? present monstrosity <laughs> of our government. Uh, well, it's going to take a lot of work, and it's up to the people. I mean, Alexander yeah. Hamilton said the people are the guardians of the Constitution. And when I go from town to town, um, last night in Long Island, we have a series, if you go to the John Birch Society website, or you can join the John Birch Society and get involved in a chapter like last night in Long Island. And I'm down here in southern New Jersey, just outside Philadelphia. And we hold constitution classes. And one of the best, they're all great, but we do a six-part series. And part two is the enumerated powers. And I like to say, that, that, that to, to generalize, the federal government has no power. None. Except what's in Article 1, Section 8. That's it. They're few and defined, as Madison said. That's the same same thing saying there are rules. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, I like to to say with someone who I admire, and she spends all her time on this subject, she goes by the pen name of Publis Holda. Her name is Joanna Martin. And uh, she is a former JAG attorney, and I brought her into Pennsylvania to speak twice. And this woman just captivates an audience. And she says to say that we won't need to change the Constitution so they'll obey the Constitution is to say that since people ignore the Ten Commandments, God should change and revise the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so what we have to do is we need to enforce our current Constitution. Constitution doesn't enforce itself. And who's going to enforce it? Well, he's going to point. His point is, is there's why change it if you're, if you're going to ignore it. But I want to go back to my point. Well, I, I want to answer the question. So, so. Uh, who's going to enforce it? I, we discussed that last night. Uh-huh. Um, something that Convention of the States uh, is recently been writing a lot against is something called a nullification. And a nullification is, um, and you don't have to be a constitutional scholar, or constitutional uh, attorney to understand this. That the people formed the states and the states reluctantly signed this compact. They didn't want to sign it at all. This is, you know, they had to be reassured. Listen, sign this. It says Congress shall not, Congress shall not, Congress shall not. Okay, we'll sign this and we'll give them these limited powers. According to the Convention of the States, the Supreme Court makes these decisions as a law of the land. That's absolutely not true. Uh, the states through nullification, um, as as I said earlier, Hamilton said that the people are the guardians. So the eighth, the, I'm sorry, Article Six of the of the uh, Constitution says that all laws uh, passed by Congress are supreme law of the land. But there are three words that are important in pursuance thereof. 
So if those laws are passed and they are in pursuance thereof, they become uh, the law of the land. If they are not in pursuance thereof, they are not the law of the land. So your state representative takes an oath. And uh, if a law is not pursuant to the Constitution, the state representatives can say no. Well, that's, they that's, don't. that's the argument John Calhoun made in the 1830s and 1840s um, and didn't work out too well. Um, what's changed? Well, uh, that's because John Calhoun misinterpreted that. Um, in fact, Madison said that he believed in Jeffersonian um, nullification and not Calhoun. Calhoun said, you know, the southern states were getting overtaxed. And he said, we're going to nullify the tax and nobody has to pay it. And Madison said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, first of all, the federal government, it is in the Constitution that they can tax imports. So right there, you're wrong. You can only nullify things that are unconstitutional. <laughs> uh, and it can only apply to your state. One of the things that this uh, Convention of the States um, member said to me the other night was, you know, we hold we held this uh, mock convention and it went well. And I said, you mean the convention that you you picked the delegates and you flew them in and you had dinner and you gave them the amendments. And by the way, one of those amendments said that if the states vote, 51 percent can repeal any uh, federal law. It sounds like a great thing. It isn't. It actually weakens what is already there in nullification. In other words, your state of Colorado, um, there could be World Health Organization dictates that come down from the president. And your state of Colorado can just say, no, mm -hmm. no, we're not doing that. That's not in the Constitution. We don't care if the other 49 states go along with it. We don't need 51%. So this amendment that the Convention of the States is proposing um, is actually weakening the state's rights. Well, what's the last time a state has used nullification? Well, uh, just, well, I'll tell you what, just uh, last month, um, the sheriffs used it against the, in New Mexico, used it against the governor who wanted to put gun uh, laws in on that's like, right. right to carry. Well, that's and not the state, that's well, individual sheriffs. But he's talking, about, but he's talking uh, about citizens, though, I mean. Yeah, Another, the most commonly used one, and is of uh, the Real ID Act. Now, the Real ID Act in 2005 was passed by Congress, passed by the House of Representatives, passed by the Senate, signed into law by the President, and the um, states just said, uh, "Nah, we're not." There. <laughs> we're just, we're just not there. And we could go on and on. They have that right. Mm -hmm. And and for convention of the states, said in an article that I read, they said that the Supreme Court makes the final decision. And I said this earlier, that you don't have to be a constitutional scholar to realize that that is incorrect because the states formed the federal government, signed a compact. And last I checked, the, the Supreme Court was part of it. So you mean they gave this uh, body limited power and they're going to ask the body that they created if the other body is overstepping. As Thomas Wood said, he wrote the book Nullification, by the way, uh, he said in a documentary, um, that would be like if you and I had a disagreement and we just couldn't come to an agreement. So we need a third party and I'm going to call my mother and she's <laughs> going to decide whether you and I are right. So to ask the Supreme Court, the federal government, if the federal yeah. government is right, right. it's just ridiculous.
Well, my my uh, great 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 uncle, great many times, wrote the Madison opinion, which gave the Supreme Court that power. It's like all Chuck's fault. It's all my fault. <laughs> I don't think um, they uh, put him down. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So back to my question about because I totally am on board with you and agree with you about this, these global world organizations. But but I think if you it's important, I mean, if you have any information you can share rather than just sort of a, an assumption that they're behind the Convention of States. I mean, what what makes you think that? I mean, I have no problem believing that they are, but I'm just wondering if you have anything specific. Um. My grandma not go there because he held the. Oh, it's a secret. Have a secret. Very for thirty years, but I can say that George Soros is a uh, is a big supporter of an organization called Wolfpack, just one of many, and Wolfpack uh, fully um, supports a constitutional convention. Um, another uh, thing is. Um, for example, uh, Mark Levin says that the left doesn't want the Constitutional Convention. Well, there are four Democrats in very, very, quote, I hate using liberal or conservative, those words, but liberal uh, Philadelphia, who just introduced um, bills uh, for an Article 5 convention. And uh, also Gavin Newsom said uh, we need gun control and we need a 20th Amendment and is pushing a constitutional convention. Convention of the States has been saying that the federal government doesn't want a constitutional convention, uh, yet the federal government uh, was sponsored by right in Philadelphia, or actually right outside Philadelphia. Brian Fitzpatrick, I think it was HR 24, the federal government's now calling for a constitutional convention. And a new bill was just recently introduced, um, and that was, um, uh, I think it was HR 84, Four one nine. Uh, now the federal government's calling for a constitutional convention. Only theirs is worse. They said we'll take any uh, any reason. We'll take uh, term limits and budget, balanced budget limit. We'll take a application for a convention back in the Civil War just to get to the third floor. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds conspiratorial to me. <laughs> okay. All right, hey, listen, we've got another guest coming on. Thanks very much for coming on. We appreciate uh And where can yeah. folks go to find out more information about this and, and the John Birch Society and you know so they can educate themselves too. Thank, thank you. Go to the John Birch Society website or jbs.org. Uh get involved, find out uh how to get involved in a local chapter. And if you want to know more on this particular subject, uh you'll look at our topics. And order one of these magazines on the convention uh, at the New American Magazine. And this issue really explains. Hold it back a little. Hold we can't, can't little. quite see it. Can you see a it? Farther away. There, there you go. There. Well, back, back, back. Toward back. you. Toward you. Oh, no. Okay. All right. It's all right. See, they all go right. to your website. David, thank you so much. Thanks, for David. Time. Appreciate it. Thank you. You have a great weekend. Thank Take you. Care. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, David Giordano there with the John Birch Society, regional field director, talking about the Convention of States. It is complicated. You know, it is kind of interesting to me that it's suddenly coming up all of a sudden, too. And I don't know. That's the kind of thing that always makes me a little bit suspicious. Um, Jim Jackson says he agrees the risks are huge. Okay, so we can, um, and actually, Thomas, if you want to go ahead and call Kevin, you can go ahead and do that now. Um, so we all know all the voters said overwhelmingly no to Proposition HH that would have gotten rid of Tabor um, and essentially kept 
the taper well, we don't care what the voters say. So here, so there's been a lot of talk. The governor called a special session, upset at the stupid voters. So they called a special session, and they're going to ram it through anyway, from what I can tell. <laughs> God bless you. Um, and and so the legislature has. I don't think they're going to need three days. Um, they're they the Democrats are basically what they want to do is okay. They're like, we'll leave Tabor alone, but we're going to backfill it from the general fund. And if we backfill it from the general fund, then they're going to have to raise taxes again. To, I mean, you you know, they're going to have to refill the general fund. Kevin Van, there were some kind of establishment Republicans who were somewhat with this. Kevin Van Winkle proposed a completely common sense one, Senator Kevin Van Winkle. He is with us now. And Kevin, I know you're busy today, so it won't take much of your time, but thank you. How's it going? How's it going down there? Well, it's going as expected. It's a whirlwind where the Democrats apparently have their plan for things and are not listening to either the people of Colorado or the Republicans who are trying to offer real solutions. It's my understanding that it took him like a matter of like minutes to basically kill every every Republican bill brought up. Is that right? That is right. We offered um, some very thorough, thoughtful, long solutions, and we offered um, some very simple, elegant solutions, which was my solution to just put a simple cap on the increases. I think it's that simple. It could be a one-page bill. Um, but Democrats, no matter where it came from, unless it digs into Tabor surpluses, which the voters just told the, the Democrats, the voters of Colorado just said that they did not want their Tabor refunds messed with. Unless it takes into the Tabor surpluses, then Democrats aren't even going to acknowledge the idea. Even though that's not necessary at all, we can pass elegant solutions that don't touch Tabor refunds, that don't touch the reserve, and just simply put the cap um, for the people of Colorado on their property tax increases. So what is, what is the uh, the present state of democratic of, 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 yeah of what they're they're evil that they're planning for us? Well, it's essentially Senate Bill three hundred three or HH Light. Um, <laughs> now, when they called for a special session, Governor Polsky told us the legislature to provide the maximum tax relief that is possible. Now that is not happening. The only relief being offered right now is from a six point seven six percent. Assessment rate down to a 6.7%. So it's just a drop in the bucket for hardworking taxpayers who are trying to make ends meet. And of course, it also does nothing for commercial property taxes. So Carl Aaron's, when they go shopping at the grocery store or wherever, they're still going to be hit with these property tax increases on that side of it because it's going to be built in the prices of everything that all goods and services. And, it's and, and where are they going to get the uh, half of 1% from to, to backfill? For those poor local governments. That would be our taxpayer bill of rights refunds and the Tabor surplus. All right. Oh. All right. <laughs> well, in the meantime, am I right that they found somehow an additional $30 million for rental assistance? Is that right? So we're trying to figure all this out. But but in the meantime, let's not forget to to come up with millions of dollars for rental assistance. Is that right, too? That does sound right. And that doesn't have anything to do with things. So how can they, I guess this is a silly question, Kevin, I asked, but how can they do this? It's like, they can do what they want. I mean, I know, I know that's silly, but. Well, it's, um, there's just an attitude of, of arrogance here at the Capitol from um, the ruling Democrat Party. And they don't want real solutions. They want pet projects funded and they want their um, friends taken care of. Meanwhile, hardworking taxpayers and families are really struggling to make ends meet and very scared about what might come out of here. So if you reduced from 6.75 to 6.7 and you have these massive increases, what will people 
anticipate uh, the property taxes going up? It is hard to say, but it tax um, property taxes are still going to go up a lot in the state of Colorado. I know in my county, it's roughly around 40%. There's counties with 78% increases in their assessment values, like Pitkin County and a couple of the mountain communities and rural communities. So, I know well, Ben, let me just finish. Ben Murray, Ben Murray with the um, Independence Institute, who's done a lot of work on this um, and, and good work, was putting out some stuff in tweets. And he was talking about now this is whatever the Democrats are proposing early, which it sounds like it's changed the same. It, 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 he was saying that that it, well, the first uh, Prop HH would have saved this much. And then he went through the various plans. And, and and to make a long story short, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was not very much at all. I mean, if you're a pro, you're like, that's nothing, basically. Well, Chad, the Independence Institute, Sherry Fife wrote an article today or yesterday attacking Kevin Van Winkle and our esteemed chairman. Uh, so I don't think you can look to them for- though. I mean, his numbers, his numbers uh, were, no, yeah. He's a good guy, but Independence is, is not a good guy. They're the rhino- they are the independent Rhino Watch people, <laughs> um, and so they don't they don't they don't do much for you. But isn't this the best thing you could have? Is the Democrats just socking it to uh, the uh, property owner? Well, yeah, but then well, then yeah, hopefully you'll have you know they'll be mad enough that you'll get a uh, a, Some, a a relief a, at the polls, proposition so. or initiative that will yeah. really roll it back. Yeah, and I'm hoping that basically the bill I had will go forward uh, to the voters in a proposition, and um, the voters will have a chance to vote on themselves. That is true. And but people really should be the priority. We should be able to act as a legislature. We're senators and representatives sent here to represent our districts. And right now, it just seems like the Democrats' their priority is to spend every dollar and squeeze every dollar out of gover- out of people's pockets, and make government the priority. Even local governments that are getting huge year-over-year increases. Why don't they, why did they even call a special session then? In other words, once they <laughs> lost, um, I mean, was this maybe as they realize things are going on, part of their strategy to go at, because it sounds to me like what they're doing is they're pretending to find a solution, but they're actually screwing us over more than they might have if, if HH had, you know, had, 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 had gone through. I mean, why are they even bothering to do this then? I mean, am I right that they have this evil manipulation kind of behind the scenes all along? Yeah, but and they do want to mess with our taxpayer bill of rights refunds. They do want to take money out of one pocket to try to put it in another and say that it's tax relief. So they are trying to save face a little bit from the failure of HH, and they are also trying to take care of government, the size of government, and especially local governments trying to take care of them. Part of it is fair, like local school districts, but a lot of it really is just is a, does any local government need a sixty seventy percent increase in revenue year over year? Oh yeah, I would well, say I'm definitely not. But, but but you have a lot of rural legislators who are, who are so thrilled um, at whatever pittance uh, the state government grants them for local governments that they're, they're they they don't really want um, your bill. I don't know how many co-sponsors and other people you have on it, but given the left wing tilt the Republican Party and the legislature, I can't believe too many. Now, that is a sad truth, and I do know a lot of people, just, they're worried more about local governments than they are the citizens in their districts, and that is a true shame. Why don't you, but Kevin, explain, because you, you, you were saying have that lobbyists that... up here, but every fire district has a lobbyist, every municipality has a lobbyist, every county has a lobbyist, and the regular citizens, the regular Joe, 
and Jane, who are trying to make ends meet, they rely on us like to officials to represent them, and sadly, it doesn't always happen. Yeah, theoretically, you're supposed to be our lobbyist, huh? I mean, and people like yeah. you are. Explain then what you would do, because it sounds like you're saying maybe this can be a ballot initiative. I know the Advanced Colorado folks have something they're going to put on. So explain. Uh, Advanced Colorado. Colorado concern. Well, you know, so to me, it seems to be the simplest and make, like you said, it's an elegant solution. What is it that you want to, or think we should do? Well, what my bill does, it said that Property taxes, our property tax bill cannot go up more than 6% year over year. And that's in line with inflation. That's in line with making sure that local governments aren't facing cuts. In fact, there's not one local government, even under my proposal, facing any cuts. They still get a 10% bump year over year. And that goes for all the special districts and fire districts and everything. That seems perfectly reasonable to me. That's simply my solution. And it's also the solution that will be going to voters, I believe, through Advancing Colorado, um, which okay. was will be a Four percent, I believe, is that about yes. right? Oh, okay. Yes, there is. Okay, but we well, do need to act. That's not until next November, so we need this year is the year of the big, giant, big increase year over year. That's for a year of pain, um, and I think it will be howling pain. Um, you know, it's it's probably not a bad thing. Um, you know, because if they didn't make it quite so awful, maybe people would would go, oh well, they kind of. The worse they are, ultimately, the better off I think we are. Well, in the long run. Well, and, and I understand that's a, a sort of masochistic. <laughs> Although the only, let me, and I know you asked Kevin that, but let me throw in that, Kevin, on top of that, though. Do you think, I mean, do the Democrats, they have such tight control over anything anymore? Do you, I don't, I don't get the impression they even care that people don't like this and that people are going to hurt. They're like, who are you going to vote for? We're, you know, we got control of everything. Well, clearly not, because HH was a big, loud message, and they're essentially just doing HH lights as a legislature. All right. Let me ask you a final question. I know you got to get back there to protect what you can. <laughs> um, they said this could go three days. It sounds like, are they going to get this all rammed through right away? Uh, I, yeah, or, 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 or what, do you, what do you predict in terms of what's going to happen and when it's going to happen? Not entirely sure, but I would predict the three days. Um, they had their bills written before I believe they even called the special session. The deadline for us to submit bills was only 24 hours later. Um, so clearly they had their plans already, which was essentially 8 to 8 um, through the legislature. And they are going to ram it through just as quickly as they possibly can. But we'll be here fighting, and I'm here to serve the people of Colorado and do everything I can to save, save them money. All right. Oh, that's great. Well, hey, oh, well, we got you. Are you running for Douglas County Commissioner? And tell us a little bit about that. If you are. Yes, I am. I'm running for Douglas County Commissioner. Um, I truly believe that we need to protect our home and our places like Douglas County that can be a beacon of light on the hill for conservative values and our principles that we need to protect. The Democrats have so much power here at the Capitol that it feels oftentimes like we're yelling at the wind and I want to get home and protect my family and my neighborhood and our community there in Douglas County, best they can. That's All right. Great. Thank you, Kevin. Well, best good of luck. On that too. Okay. Thank you. Good luck in there. Do what you can. Mm-hmm. I know. Maybe you could do like that Democrat guy and pull fire alarms and stuff. Is that You get to vote really fast. Um, <laughs> I will give All right. Thank my you. Best to vote thank you. God All right, bless. Thank All you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised. I would have thought that the, so bottom line is we're screwed. 
yes. uh, and, and property taxes. They're going to be yeah. go up like in some places, 40 percent or more, yeah. even though the economy sucks and people are making less yeah. and have less to spend. Yeah. Um, good. I That's mean, good. it seems to me like it makes sense to have it like a cap where that can yeah. go. And the Democrats having not passed through HH, like he said, are just not going to pass it at the special session. They're not going to call it HH, but they're still going to go after Tabor refunds and yeah. um, and going to keep doing that. Yep. Um, well, there we go. So we're screwed. <laughs> Particularly this year. I mean, that's great that Advanced Colorado and those guys have some of these other proposals, but that won't be till next January, right? And so, in, in the meantime, everything sucks now economy-wise, so it's not going to go up as much, right? Well, I mean, other than ballot harvesting, let's assume yeah. that we didn't have ballot harvesting and we have honest elections. Um, this would be a killer for the Democratic Party. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it would be the one thing we could bring back the Republican Party, um, and hopefully it's the it's the Republican Party of Kevin Van Winkle and Dave and Williams, Dave Williams Stephanie and, Luck, and Stephanie Luck, and not of Lynch and and Senator Vundeen um, or the Independence Institute, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, I think yeah, I have a feeling they're going to ram this through. Um, like you said, it's well, interesting. There's nothing that... stopping. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't have to well, ram it through. Yeah. yeah. That is the only problem with, you know, with our previous guest who was talking about nullification. It's like when you've got these Democrats, they're not going to, they're, they're nullifying everything anyway, but they're going the wrong way to nullify it. Jacob um, wants to know what's the turnout for HHL, 25%, I think, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere, I, you, somewhere low. I think maybe. low, but typical for a midterm, right? Well, yeah. A little bit typical for a midterm. Although people were overwhelmingly against it, which I think shows the frustration that people have and that people, I mean, every time they keep going after Tabor and people don't want to do that. But, you know, this being Party Friday, guys, I wanted to, there are a couple of things actually I'm going to talk about. And then in a few minutes, I'm going to play this kind of funny clip. Um so Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, kept his promise. It took Kevin McCarthy years to not do it. Yeah. Everybody talked about it. So he has, and it's already posted. Not only did Mike Johnson say, I'm going to release the January, 44,000 hours of the January 6th tapes to the public, it's released. It wasn't like, we're going to release it, like Kevin McCarthy said, you know, in five, six years, kind of when they released the Moderna test results and stuff like that will include it in that and the kennedy files it'll all be released sometime soon no it's released i mean he was tweeting goes click here Forty four thousand hours of enjoyment no and well it well but here's the thing that's cool i mean i will say this i clicked on it and it said cannot load but i imagine that's because me and 800 million other people were clicking on it so kudos for him i know you yes, were yes. initially happy with him then disappointed with him then happy with him, now then happy with him. but i mean at least he did this and i'm like see how easy that was yeah. right from what i gather that doesn't that hurt is it no from what i gather they redacted just about they blurred some people's faces and they redacted about um five percent of it that they say had to do with building security now i don't know that i trust them totally no. what they're releasing no. they're releasing no I do trust, though, and more the power of citizen journalists, because, you know, there are going to be a ton of people pouring through all of that. Yeah. I think more than with with. Well, everybody's got their own agenda, but more than just a producer for Tucker Carlson. Right. And I know that they've released portions of the tape to media organizations that haven't really done anything with it. And I imagine just because it's so convoluted. But now well, we've just, got just think about a week, 40 hours. Let's say you did a work, you know. Right. So, so that's one week, and you have forty-four thousand. That's a year. In a year, no, forty-four thousand hours. Right. Um, and so you have fifty-two times forty, which is about a lot of years. But it's about twenty thousand. Um, 
And so it's going to take you a couple of years <laughs> to, to view all of this. Got the, I mean, I've seen the work um, and various things that I've covered where when you throw stuff out to the public, right, and people start applying themselves to it, oh, you, you know, um, then they can figure stuff out. And so, and I, and I think if nothing else, we, what we did see from Tucker Carlson is certainly it is not what they told us that it was. And I think it is interesting and good that this is all coming out as the Denver judge is now trying to decide whether Donald Trump is an insurrectionist mm-hmm. and therefore can't be on the ballot. Well, um, I'm sure she's well, I mean, the tapes. yeah, yeah. She's not going to bother looking at the tapes, but she's not going to pester herself with the whole concept of was there an insurrection, right? So we don't we don't want to pester with that. But this being part of Friday that I did want to play, this is pretty funny. Um, the White House and when you read the political Dem strategists, they're all kind of freaking out because we stupid people refuse to understand that the economy is great yes. that the economy is surging just like Nikki how Hagen. many times do they have to tell you before you get it out there <laughs> yeah. you're doing great you're doing great better than before I yeah your retirement savings may be shrinking but uh <laughs> you can't oh, so the hamburger well. costs you 16 million dollars uh, it's like it's like but no you are wrong well the, they get that people don't that's not working they're trying to tell so they, shockingly so they said he needs to call it something besides biden you gotta call it Trump on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Biden. So they're going to change the name and then tell us that it's working. But um, it's not working. And it's kind of and funny. They want to ban Bidenomics. They, they're ta- talking to the high tech right. people. That's right. No mentioning of. Uh, if you say Bidenomics, now you're going to be a terrorist. Yes, a terrorist. <laughs> but these people put together, this is a funny spoof of the grocery store. And it's really, it's it, the thing is, is you either laugh or you cry when you see this. But Thomas, if we could please play the groceries soundbite. And everything you need today? Yeah. Great. Okay. Oh, God. No. Everything okay, ma'am? Uh, it's just that you've only scanned a few items and it's already 60 bucks. Uh, I'm so scared. Okay, I'm a trained professional, ma'am. I've scanned a lot of groceries. I need you to stay with me. It's just that my in-laws are in town and they want a charcuterie board. Well, this isn't going to be easy, so I need you to be brave, all right? What's your name? Patricia. Patricia, all right. I need you to take a deep breath. We're about to do the cheese. <gasps> Oh my God, the numbers are going up so fast. Why do we have to be on Balderson's house? Don't look up there, it only makes it worse. Keep your eyes on me, okay? <sighs> Can't you just stand something less expensive? I can, but let's not forget, it's the little things that add up, all right? Now brace yourself, I'm about to do the mixed nuts. Oh my God, I'm gonna pass out. Okay, bite down on this, Patricia. <sighs> Get ready, I'm gonna do the cured meats. <sighs> Too late. There's a line behind you, okay? You're locked in. I know it looks like a lot right now, but I promise you, you're going to get home and you're going to wonder, what did I even buy? <laughs> You've got this, Patricia. Get ready. I'm going to weigh the grapes. Oh, oh, what have you done to me, you son Okay, of a- your total's 257.84. <laughs> The grocery store. That is so true. <laughs> you look at there and you're like, you have like five things. Yeah, what did I even buy? <laughs> you look, you have like five things there, and you're like, what? What the heck is that all about? Um, and then the only other thing that this is kind of funny, um, on a party Friday too, I'd bring up. So poor Michael Bennett, Colorado Senator Michael Bennett, um, who is sort of pro-Israel and he's trying to be pro-Israel, has a staff member whose father actually was calling for jihad, who was joining the congressional walkout protests and demanding that Michael Bennett 
get rid of all of the I support think of Israel. The, Michael Bennett, the Jewish grandmother or something. Yeah, well, he, not anymore because not this, anymore. This they burned her alive. This Gen Z, well, he has to denounce her. This Gen Z congressional staffer is protesting and saying, Michael Bennett needs to now support Hamas. Yeah, and and support Hamas um, because they're the victims here, not not anyone not else. Those not stupid babies. Yeah. the stupid babies, the bullying babies. Be funding. It's like if you're the Democrats, it's going to be hard to keep track of your hierarchy of victims, right? Because somebody had put out a thing talking about, well, what about the feminists and all these the, the rapes and the sexual assaults that are going on? You know that the, the palace, the Hamas. Jewish because, people are excluded from that yeah. particular deal. Jewish it's women like, are not applied. I mean, and so it's going to be hard to be Michael Bennett, right? You come in and you're going on the floor, and you want to talk about something boring, but talk about it with passion and your stupid staffer is like walking out. Kill all the <laughs> Jewish interns. Is Yeah, exactly. Is doing walkouts and being identified and, and saying radical things like jihad and things like that. So that's kind of fun to watch. That's fun. That's, that's kind fun. of fun to watch in a party fair. Michael, he's not going to address that. He's not no, he's not. Well, like he's never addressed anything. This from Jacob, this is true. The DNC headquarters in D.C. was attacked by Palestinian protesters. Oh, better place. Jacob, they were not attacked. That was a mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> come on, come on, watch your verbs there. They were it's a mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful protest because that's what they do. Hey, that's going to wrap it for us on this um, party Friday. On Monday, we'll be here Thanksgiving week, um, and we have Ken Raposa coming on. There was a actually kind of an interesting mix-up before. Um, we were trying. He was. He's going to talk to. We were trying to call us. We were trying to call him. Well, no, I mean he suspects because he was there. Yeah, um, and then we've had people tell us that sometimes some of these conservative guests that we have have been having phone issues and they wonder if maybe somebody is buying no. their phone or something. They, and they Tifa, would, those people wouldn't do that. They wouldn't ever do that. But hey, we want to thank um, David. Thanks everybody. Yeah, no, David. And, and we want to thank, yeah, he was great. He was great. Did a good job. And I'm not sure I'm totally uh, converted, but he did a good job. And Thomas and everybody at BBS, as well as all of you guys on Zoom um, and everybody who listened to the Chuck and Julie show, we will see Either live or by Memorex. By Mem- Ooh, I don't even know what Memorex is. Uh, yeah. You can play it on your album. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's it, everyone. It's Party Friday. Yay! We'll see you on Monday.